This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. Anna Murphy is the vocalist and hurdy-gurdiest of Cellar Darling, whose debut album, This Is The Sound, will be released on June 30th. Anna, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Now, when we last talked, you were in the process of forming the sound of the band. What was that process like, and when did you know you had something you could go forth with? Um, Actually, everything happened quite fast. Um... We basically created the band and and wrote an entire album all within a year or even less than a year. And uh, yeah, things kind of happened very naturally. Like we, it was very clear from the start that we would form a new band, and we didn't really have to have a talk about what it would sound like or in what direction we want to go. We just started writing songs, and then the it all kind of happened on its own accord. Um, so, yeah, things went pretty fast, I would say. Did you draw any on any specific influences or sounds that you wanted to incorporate? Not really. Um, our sound is, is just a symbiosis of us three, and people who have known us for a long time, they I think they can really hear that. So we, we knew it would be heavy music, but combined also with fragile and more softer aspects. The lyrics on the album, uh, on your solo album, sorry, were very personal. How did you approach them for Cellar Darling as a band? Yeah, I had quite a bit of a different approach with Cellar Darling. Um, my my solo stuff is like you said it's very personal it's almost kind of the singer songwriter aspect where where you really convey what you're feeling and what you're experiencing and with seller darling i i want to take feelings and experiences and kind of pack them into um sometimes very abstract stories so i don't want to tell things as they are i want to create something new out of them so um yeah, what I basically did is I just went with my impulses and the pictures that I saw during writing the music, and then I just created little stories out of them. There's a lot of talk on your website about reinventing the folk tale, and that, that made me think that in our life today, there's a particular focus on the distinction between truth and falsehood. What, what role do you think the folk tale has in today's society? Mm, I'm not really sure. I mean, what we want to do is not, you know, write new folk tales in a sense, but we want to kind of uh, get the same feeling with the listener that he has when, when listening to tales and, and old folk stories. And so it's more about creating the same atmosphere and, you know, those tales in the end, or, or, or um, sagas, or whatever you want to call them, they're essentially just also inventions of people who had a feeling or, or wanted to get across a message, and they just packed it in, into a story. 
So, yeah, we want to kind of have a new approach. We don't want to tell something that has already been told. We want to create completely new stories. Mm. And, yeah, it's more about... Um, for me, like, what, what I want to achieve is I want the listener to be carried away into a different world and just see those pictures that I see when I write the songs and just kind of, yeah, just dream along with the music. That's kind of my goal. This is, might be a bit of a kind of abstract and very theoretical question, but why, why aren't we satisfied with our lives? Why, 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 why do you, we have to, I don't know, think about things that aren't at the way things are? Why do you think we do that? Or maybe you can just answer it for yourself, I guess. Um, I can only speak for myself, I think, or, or for people that, that I know. But I think it's, it's because we are very complex creatures that have thoughts. And, but that's also what makes us amazing in a way. I mean, um, we, we always want to explain things. Like there's, there has always been this urge of mankind to explain things. And that's why, why we actually create stories ourselves. I mean, for me, people who, who have an idea of, of God or, or whatever, those are, for me, things that the mind creates. So the mind is a very powerful tool. And, of course, I mean, there, there are people who are just happy, I guess. But for me, that, that would make life very interesting. And I think this, like, urge to know things, but then also with knowledge comes a certain sadness, I guess, because you realize how many things aren't right. That's kind of, yeah, it's very complex, but I, I think that's what makes life interesting. I wouldn't want to be content because then I think there would be no development. I think this is the only one, uh, only song sung in another language. Hedonia, is, is that the only song sung in a language other than English? Mm-hmm. Good, at least I figured that out. Now, I wasn't, I'm not cultured enough to pick up which language that was, but what was behind the choice <coughs> to sing, you know, one song in another language? It's, um, the language is with German. It's basically what we speak here in our home. And uh, I've always really enjoyed singing in Swiss. I do it with, um, I did it once with Elveti, and I do it as well in my um, folk band, Fragmund. And I think it's, it's a beautiful language to put into music, and it just, it just comes across as very authentic and kind of folky, kind of weird also in a way. And um, Hedonia was originally, they were two songs, uh, one of it was just like a, a folky song in Swiss, and the other was like the weird stuff that happens after. And then we decided to combine both songs into one and do everything in Swiss German. And the, the story behind the song is like Hedonia is a, it's like a fictional world where everything is just fine. People just drink wine and enjoy the sunshine all day. And then one day that all goes to hell and the world basically ends and it's about two people that are just watching everything burn and yeah die <laughs> the album title it's it's very it's really upfront i love it it's, this is the sound which is kind of a question oh. a lot of your fans have been asking what is the sound and this is the sound 
how'd you come up with kind of like the perfect summation of what the album is? Um, yeah, we, we had actually a long list of album titles. Uh, most of them were crap, I would say, in the end. Um, and this is the sound just made sense to us because it's kind of also the realization that we came up with um, when we finished writing and listened to, to our songs. And it was a, a great feeling for us to that we found our sound and just felt really comfortable with what we had created because... Like like our fans, we actually had no idea where this would go and what we would sound like. And yeah, and it's in in a sense just a, it kind of represents the whole album because what I didn't want to do is just pick one of the album titles and make that uh, one of the song titles and make that the album title because I just think that wouldn't really fit. I wanted to find something that kind of represents the whole album as as a like just the whole album itself and yeah so we came up with that and it's it's also one of the lines from one of the songs the first one we released challenge so it all kind of makes sense for us at least uh, I, I believe you, have, you had your first show with Cellar Darling back in December and you had a first show with a couple of new songs a little over a month ago how did that all go down? Mm-hmm. How, how was it playing sort of this this new entity? How, how did it go? Um, I thought it went pretty well. I mean, we were quite nervous because for us, it's even though we've been on stage for over ten years, it's it's such a different feeling, and it kind of felt like we're we're starting from scratch, which is also kind of an exciting feeling, and it was very different to play songs for an audience that they've never heard before because usually you already have a release or or an EP or something and people kind of know what they're going to hear but it was nice to kind of win over an audience with with unheard material. Um, Now Elvete had a lot of members (laughs) um, but you guys Mm. are three and I think you have a, a live basis as well don't you? Yeah, we, we uh, work with session basis mm. live, yeah. Um, so how is that kind of like, I don't, I don't know if condensed is the right word, but certainly a, a smaller crew that's putting on the show. How, how, how was that? Um, it's kind of, I would say it's kind of cool um, because you really, the focus is really on us. I mean, with, with L8, you were... What I actually really loved about the band that it was just all over the place and so much to take in. And now it's kind of the complete opposite, which is also a bit like you feel more, um, you feel that more eyes are on you, which is also a bit, um, well, it makes me kind of nervous at least, um, especially being in the center. I actually kind of loved being on the sidelines in Elvati. I thought it suited my character very well. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's uh, cool. But we we also still need to kind of work on it because I think the less people you are, the more you really have to work that your sound just has the right depth and and the the power that it needs for for live performances. Now, for the media book edition, you each chose a song to cover. You chose mm-hmm. the cold song from Henry Purcell's King Arthur opera. Why did you select that particular mm-hmm. song? Because um, it kind of 
shows my musical background. I, I grew up with opera and classical music because my parents are both opera singers. And I've always really, really loved that, uh, well, I don't know what you'd call it, piece or, or song or whatever. And I've actually covered it before. So, and I knew that this, this song would sound great with, with like a metal setup. And it turned out exactly as I had hoped. Now, the cover of the album has a lot of symbols on it, which I love. How did you go about picking them, mm-hmm. finding them, all that sort of stuff? Um, actually, those symbols were created by Christopher Ruf. He's, um, he's a graphic designer. Uh, his like, his uh, project's called Sarah's Collective. And he's also the frontman of the Swiss black metal band Shamash. And um, uh, how did that go down? Oh, yeah, I came across him because of a, a mutual acquaintance. And um, we actually asked him to create our... He, he's the one who created our band logo as well. And so basically what I did is I just sent him all the songs and all the lyrics and just told him to do whatever, like whatever comes to his mind, just make a symbol for each of the songs. And he, he absolutely nailed it. Like everything was exactly how I had imagined it. And I love working with artists that where you don't really have to tell them much and they just deliver what was in your head. So that was a huge success, I would say. Just a couple of quick questions about you. When did you first start listening to music? Ooh, <laughs> I think by the time I was born because um, my family was so musical that, like, basically if you would come into our household, there'd be music blasting out of every room. Uh, my mother listened to a lot of, like, ABBA and Queen and classical music. My stepdad listened to a lot of really old operas. Like, he listened to LPs where where you hear more, like, uh, white noise than anything else. And um, I would say I, like, I started listening to cassettes when I was maybe six or seven, and then uh, I got into, like, rock and metal pretty quickly because my dad, he, like, the first rock cassette that I had was The Verve. I mean, they're not really, you could call them pop rock, maybe. And that's kind of how I got into guitar music. When did you first start singing? And that was actually with Elvati. Like, I never really intended to be a singer. I always kind of, I, I imitated singers and I loved, just kind of taking the piss when I was a kid. Um, And, like, my parents always said that I had what it takes and I had the voice, but I never, like, wanted to do anything with it. And then in Elvati, I just kind of started singing by accident because uh, the previous girls in the band, they had sung, and so Kriegel just asked me to take over their parts, and that's kind of how it all started. It was just kind of an... Uh, spontaneous thing. And finally, uh, I know this is a very difficult question for most people, Mm -hmm. but do you have any favourite albums or bands? Oh, yes, I have a lot. Um, Usually I answer that question just by by listing my current favourites because I have so many favourites that would take hours to 
um, to tell you all of them. But currently, I'm listening to Agent Fresco and Leprous. Mm, good band. Uh, they're currently my two favorite bands, and I'm just listening to their discography up and down. Celadon will be releasing their debut album, This Is The Sound, on June 30th. Anna, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsyn and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsyn. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and metal tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on SYN 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream SYN 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Tomato from Flashgun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls Go. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Oldman. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Moss Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from Shorten 49. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Tips.